Hello! Welcome. This is Real Disagreement, nay, you haven't seen. <laughs> That's its maiden name. Yeah. We got married. We're not very modern, so we took, no. we took a new name. <laughs> this is some things I'm real traditional about. Um, that's not true at all. Yeah, that's why your wife has her name, your name tattooed. Yeah, she didn't change her last name. And her upper lip. Lower, <laughs> her lower lip. lip, sorry. Yeah, that'd be very different. Uh, <laughs> this is the podcast where we usually don't talk about my marriage. Sorry. Usually we talk about, well, I don't mind. Usually we talk about movies that one of us has not seen. We force the other one to, you know how it works at this point, this is episode six. Hopefully. Hopefully. It is, in my book. No, but I mean, hopefully you know. But if you're a new listener, what oh. we do is we force each other to watch movies that we're shocked that the other person hasn't seen, and then we disagree about them pretty consistently. Pretty consistently. It's not the goal to disagree, but I think we've managed to pretty much every time. Yeah. Real overachievers. Yeah. I'm Rob. I'm Amy. Um, and this week, we had a Patrick Swayze love fest. Well, we're going to find out if it was a love fest. There's a lot of Patrick Swayze involved. <laughs> A lot of Swayze, a lot of mullet, a lot so, of hair, so no chest hair. No. Which, you, think, you think that's natural? We'll talk about later. Uh, <laughs> seemed like a choice to me. Um, before we do that, uh, we oh, got... Oh, thoughts about last week. We got to do thoughts about last week, and then yeah. just also at the top, we got a very nice compliment on iTunes about... Are improving sound quality, which I'm working hard at every single episode, but I'm just going to put it out at the top. <laughs> We're having some crazy sound issues today, so hopefully this one's okay. We'll see what happens. We're going to find out. Yeah. And what movies did we do last week? I can't even remember. Oh, what? Cutting Edge and Bone Tomahawk. That's right. Both of those. Slice and ice. How do you feel right now about Bone Tomahawk? Do you have new thoughts on this? Um... It's a long pause. Yeah. I don't have new thoughts, but I mm. think I understand your attraction a little bit more. The conversation that we had about this is a thought experiment of seeing do good people become horrible people mm. in horrific circumstances. I think I understand I understand the appeal of those movies to you a little bit more. Because mm. I would say that I do that in my reading. Mm -hmm. I'm much more um, adventurous in my reading than I am in my film watching. That's interesting. Yeah. I can read I can read a scary book. I can read a violent book um, a lot easier than I can watch those kinds of movies. Here's a question. What kind of learner do you consider yourself? Auditory or visual? Or kinesthetic, I suppose. Visual. The reason I ask is, I'm wondering which one, movie versus book, gives you the more visceral experience. Because for me, the book is a deeper dive into the experience. Yeah. So I would think that you wouldn't be able to handle that, because it's a deeper dive. But evidently, it's that the visuals make it more visceral for you. The visuals make it more visceral, and I do think books are a deeper dive for me. But the thing is, because I've thought about this, when I'm reading a book, I can only get as bothered or as moved by the text as my brain can comprehend mm. and and granted my brain can comprehend and come up with horrific scenarios yeah it's why I, I'm sure I, it's a mess in there yeah oh yeah that's why I have to you know medicate to get on a plane um because <laughs> I you know every time I'm like okay so what do I do when the uh -huh. bomb explodes who do I text first to say goodbye I have that thought every time I get on a plane I, do you think you're gonna have enough time for texting if there's a bomb okay or if we're going down okay great yeah Ugh. 
So, yeah, I mean, my brain can go to a lot of deep, scary places, but I'm also still in control of it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an issue of control. I think when I'm watching a movie, their images, their version of whatever... Okay, there's no toning it down. There's no toning it down. I don't have any control. Um, And then also... It's hard, I think, to turn a movie off and walk away from it. It's actually very easy to. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> literally it is. But I think when I'm engaged in something, it's, uh-huh. it is very difficult for me to shut it off. It's easier to put down the book. It's so easy to put down the book. And like, um, there's a very funny Friends episode when... Um, it's already a conundrum. Yeah. When... Um, Take that sitcom that's been off the air 20 years. No, but it's a great episode when Joey and Rachel make each other read a book that they can't believe the other one hasn't read. read. And um, she has to read, I think it's The Shining. Okay. And um, she talks about how scared she got and that she puts the book in the freezer and that that protects her. Curious? Absolutely not curious. It makes perfect no, sense No, I'm, I'm being curious because I'm going to explain in a moment why it does make sense to me. Yeah, oh, it makes perfect sense to me. I remember getting it, like, um, remember book fairs when they come to the school? Oh, yeah. And, like, you got, oh, man, and that thin, like, newsprint order form. Yeah, you know, the oh. really sad little magazine that oh, gave you no, such joy. That's oh, so I'm much joy. That. I yeah. love it. Like, it's that's... in hindsight, like, oh, that was a really small thing that gave me so much happiness. Oh, so much It was happy. wonderful. Book fair was great. And there was, in the 90s, there was that book series, Scary Stories, that had... Oh, Scary Stories Tell Them Dark by Alvin Schwartz. They're making a movie of it. Good God, you just you rattled that off. I there, My brain is receptacle. Like, if there's something <laughs> useless, it's in there. If it's something important, like a, a relative's birthday, I have no idea. You want to know something truly useless, though? Let me know. I'm All on right. it. Yeah, so Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, there was like, what, three or four? I think three, but I couldn't swear to it. And they had the creepiest drawings Mm. on the front cover. And inside. And inside. Like, every story had one drawing. Absolutely frightening, yeah. Um, And I have very clear memories of being scared by those books. And before, because I always read before I went to bed. Um, and I would have to put the book in another room. Yeah. And you can protect yourself from the monsters in the book if it's in another room. But that's why I find your reaction to the freezer. movie surprising. Because when I read American Psycho, I found myself so troubled by moments of it, I had to put the book down and leave the room because I couldn't yeah. be around the book. But I still couldn't escape it because the images were entirely constructions in my head. Yeah. Which is why I have an easier time with intense movies. When I turn off the movie, it's off. The book is, uh, has almost like a symbiotic thing in my brain. Yeah. So that that's why I'm surprised by this. Hmm. Because I feel like the, the book version is inevitably more frightening and disturbing for me. It, it is, absolutely. Um, especially, like, Shining is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I saw the movie The Shining when I was younger, and then I read the book, and then I rewatched it again and went, yeah, that, that is not scary at all. Like, after having... I mean, there's some moments that are scary, but sure. not, not the sort of classic moment. Like, for me, the scariest thing is um, the guy in the bathroom um the old woman in the bathtub no 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 no. when um when he talks to him in the mirror oh yeah sure yeah um and then yeah it's creepy that whole conversation that movie's more creepy than scary though but the book is horrifyingly scary i've never read it i have to confess oh my gosh you will have very different feelings about topiary after you read that book all my feelings about topiary involve monty (laughs) python and the holy grail and shrubbery yeah, no, this, this will change your thoughts on Topiary. 
Can you squeeze in that word one more time? Topiary. Don't say it like that, though. <laughs> it's a very different podcast. It's one of those ASMR podcasts. Oh, students were talking to me about ASMR. Yeah. I've heard about it before, but students now are into it, which means it's about to end. I don't know. I have family members that use it to fall asleep. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, so, yeah. I. But Bone Tomahawk. Well, and just to conclude the conversation about the books, I think for me it's a control issue, as are all of my like fears and uh-huh. anxieties. It's about what do I have control over. Right. So when it's, you know, when it's Bone Tomahawk and they're splitting Nick um, down the middle. Right. I, I can't control the pace or... Um, intensity of that scene and it's portrayal of it yeah it's coming right at me whereas when i'm reading something um, it just says he was vivisected and you're like okay i get it yeah i I mean in a way i can sort of choose how that looks in my head um i think people as individuals scare me more in books but visceral images interesting don't as much all right, fair enough. And I can control it. I can stop it. I can I can um, read it at the pace I need to read it. You can skip paragraphs if you need to. No, I can't read that part. Oh, I don't think I've ever. You're turning me into the uh, the old man who sells bagels from episode two or whatever. That's, he's my recurring character. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't skip paragraphs. I just mean like I don't know somehow how I process it. I can I can yeah. So um, so I think I maybe do similar things in books that you do mm-hmm. with those kinds of movies. Fair enough. It's a thought experiment about who people are. It's curious to me that it doesn't transfer. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I felt like I owe you an apology <laughs> listening to the last episode because you had an idea that I immediately dismissed that, in hindsight, I think is super interesting. That is not unusual that you immediately dismiss my ideas. Well, I, I'm trying to kind of apologize. Um, <laughs> okay. The, the idea that the throat whistle thing is a congenital defect they've developed. Yeah. I, I don't see... I, I had my set idea that it was a modification they're doing to each other because of all their ideas about m- body modification in it. Yeah. But it's so interesting an idea that I kind of am now choosing to believe in your interpretation. Well, I mean, I find it fascinating. When um, O'Dwyer has to, when Arthur has to, ugh, has to pull out <laughs> oh the throat God. and dig it out. <laughs> I can't it's even, really like, it's huh, in there. I can't even say it. Yeah, it's deep in their. So I'm on board now. I agree with you. Deep in their throat, like, and it's. I mean, it's like it's attached to the larynx. Like I, and it made me wonder more though how he could play it. Ugh. Although it is gross when he's putting it in his mouth and spit out viscera. It's a. It's a rough one. It's It's rough. Super bad. But anyway, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's great. It's good. So yeah, and you know, cutting edge, still adorable. Cutting edge continues to be (laughs) just fine. It's just fine. No problem with it. All right. <laughs> I haven't come to like it more, but I don't like it less. Like, it, it stayed okay. Yeah. Well. Your love of D.B. Sweeney, which, well, we'll get to that later. Yeah. I, I still am a little left cold by him. Uh, more ice jokes. Yeah. All right, well, anyway, this week. Moving forward. This week, too. Now I oh. had... The time of my life. That oh. got better as it went. It started rough, but it got better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they're like... Oh, but... No, oh, that's good. not... <laughs> that was somewhere between beatboxing and scatting, but not as good as either. Yeah, I'm not a singer. I'm not either, so I can't I can't really poke too many holes. Um, 
So we're going to well, start, start with Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Okay. There's so much. So, Amy, you picked Dirty Dancing. I did. I had the enviable task of writing the haiku to sum it up. Okay. Guy with dad issues. J.A.P. lives, loves, learns, dance. Orbach and Melon. I'm not crazy about my last line. I had a better one, but I, I lost my first draft of this Oh, haiku. the watermelon. Got it. Right. Wait, J-A-P? Jewish American princess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. We gotta talk about that. Yeah, the the Jewishness of the film. By admission of the creators. That's not me yeah. being... No, no, no. Well, it was certainly... I mean, my experience re-watching this movie as an adult was super different than watching it as a kid. And I... I was talking with my mom and some friends about it, and I was like, this movie is all about Jews. And my mom... Did you say it like that? I did. And my mom was like, uh-huh, you didn't recognize your own people? And I was like, I mean, I did, and I think I knew that, like... I think I made assumptions, but they never say the word in the movie. And she's like, they didn't have to. I felt like... I was trying to remember. I felt like at the beginning they did somehow. No, and not I once. I couldn't place how I felt it. Like, in the first two minutes, I felt it. Well, I don't remember what tipped it off. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, their name is like Hausman, and they're going to Kellerman's, and everybody's, everybody's clearly Jewish in it, and yeah. middle and upper class, um, East Coast Jews. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I don't think as a kid I ever really clued into that right. as much. And then, and then once you realize that, I mean, I'll let you do your summary, yeah, but let's... once you realize that, you realize some of the bigger themes of the movie, which for me, I'll... Oh, that's giving a lot of credit. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Let's have, okay, you... So... let's have you start. Okay. <laughs> so this movie, uh, I was fully prepared to hate this movie. I did not. I did not hate it. I did hate one of the characters, but we'll get there in a minute. Okay. So the movie opens with slow motion blurred montage of people dirty dancing. Yeah, it's a weird opening. It's almost like a television show opening. Well, it's like a totally different movie. Yeah. And maybe a better movie. Because it's pretty sexy stuff. And then cut to two teenagers in the back of a car. Yeah. Talking about, this is before the Beatles and before Kennedy got shot. Well, not before the Beatles, but before the... That's what she says. She says, this is before the Beatles. It's supposed to be 1963. It's the summer before... I think it's 62. No, it's the summer before JFK's assassination. There would still be before the big splash of the Beatles. Certainly. Yeah. But she says before Yeah, Beatles. yeah. That's not me. She says it. Okay. I'm quoting the film. Damn it. All right, so <laughs> this uh, girl, Baby, and her family are going to this summer escape for wealthy Jews, evidently. Yeah. Um, Part of the Borscht Belt. Right. Yeah. And so... Uh, we immediately get the most pleasant surprise in the movie. This is Wayne Knight Newman's first appearance in a film. Yeah. Oh, was it his first appearance? It's his first appearance in the movie, Wow, that's a pretty good opening splash. Yeah, it's pretty good. Getting to see him do weird stand-up and toddle around the movie is good. Um, (laughs) That's, that's, I don't know. Accurate? Is that the word you're looking for? He toddles when he moves. Yeah. But that's his shtick. I'm not taking it away from him. It's, that's what he does. Yeah. Um... This camp has various... Uh, camp, it's a resort. It's a resort. It has activities for the people, almost all of which, as near as I can figure, involve dancing. You don't see anyone water skiing. You don't see a macrame class. Yeah. It's basically they go there and they watch bad 
pseudo vaudeville and they take dancing lessons. Well, and there was like in the background here and there, there were announcements for activities that were happening. So, so there are other activities, okay. but obviously they focus on dancing because of the movie. Because it's dirty dancing. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are moments at the beginning that are really funny. There's a merengue class that people are taking that's hilarious. Yeah. There's a guy in blue socks who's worth looking out for the blue sock guy because he was <laughs> killing me. Um, there's a weird class divide in the movie that makes very little sense to me. And it's the waiters versus the entertainment staff. Mm-hmm. And the waiters are the king shit of the mountain at this uh-huh. place. Because they are all... Ivy League boys. And Jewish. And Jewish. And the, and the Gentiles... Yeah. Or the entertainment staff. And they're Irish and Italian and Puerto Rican. Johnny Castle yeah. was originally supposed to be Italian, but he Patrick Swayze was too fair or something. So yeah. they made him Irish. Something like that. But, okay, keep going. But in, I have in, so much to say. But imagine that. any place that the, that, the, that the waiters are the cool parts of the club and not the dancers is maybe the most ludicrous thought on the planet. But beyond that... The waiters are basically paraded in front of the daughters as future husband material. Yeah. While the daughters and the guests are told basically not to mingle with the entertainment staff. Yeah. It's, I don't know, there there was something odd there. And I don't have a problem with it, but it just, it felt Well, okay, so, but I wonder if this, because I think this is the crux of some of the class issues that the movie explores. Um, and I, I wonder if, um... Did you just say Explorers, like, it has, like, a cogent thesis it's putting together here? The, well, not a thesis. I mean, they're not saying anything, but they're def- there is a class divide. And that, cla- sure. and that yes. class divide is very real. So, so I was thinking about it. Um, there's two things. Um, when I used to teach Romeo and Juliet, and I would, um, show West Side... I cannot wait for this. <laughs> and I would show West Side Story... Uh-huh. Um, and which came out in 1961. This movie's supposed to be 1963. Um, Made in like 87. Yes. Um, I would always talk to the kids about how, you know, stories evolve and it's the same story, but it takes on different themes and how West Side Story, instead of it being the two wealthy families of Verona, is exploring really the two under, you know, downtrodden and ostracized minorities in New York in the 50s and 60s, which are going to be your Puerto Ricans um, and the Irish, right? Because um, Irish for a very long time were... um, Isn't that like 1870s to 1890s? But there was still... Are you you pausing that the... the, I mean, I don't want to make this do a, a cultural clash thing, but... I, there are still divides, and 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 you're and and you're dealing with in West Side Story with with the Puerto Ricans and the Irish, you're still dealing with two groups of people who um, are not always the 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 wealthy and the upper class in New York society, right? So so I was thinking about that, and then um, there's a show that came out on Amazon over the last couple of years um, called uh, Red Oaks, and it's supposed to be in the '80s, and it's really similar actually in its setup. It's a country club in New Jersey, um, and there are absolutely the waiters, the young wait staff. But that's a, it's just a remake of Caddyshack. Are held Caddyshack. Up. The '80s is all about the snob versus the slobs. And waiters, wait staff, are often the snobs. That, as a former waiter, and as a current snob, I don't see how this is. Like, I, I just don't get it. It's clear that the coolest ones, the ones who are making, you know, the the dancers are getting money stuffed in their pants and all the rest, and they're sleeping with all the guests, 
how could anyone... It's, it's a weird artificial thing forced on the movie of, look at how downtrodden the dancers are. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's such an artificial construct for the movie. And I, I, let me say, overall, I like this movie. Yeah. I really do. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my little summary. Okay. First. Okay. So, there's the the divide. The um, uh, baby, our protagonist, played by Jennifer Grey, who is terrific in this She's movie. She's amazing. Holy shit! My big takeaway from this movie is Jennifer Grey was amazing. Yeah. And she can play awkward so brilliantly. Oh, she's so good at and awkward. And then she is so sexy later in the movie. Yeah, I was thinking oh, about how much man. you didn't like Meg Ryan in French Kiss and how she was trying to be slapsticky. And mm-hmm. and I was thinking, damn, Jennifer Grey is... Actually nails it. She's so good at yeah. awkward and goofy and funny. Like, her frustration when she can't get yeah. dance moves and the way she kicks her feet out on her little kids. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So funny. And yet it's endearing. Though. Oh, it's clever. not like painful like Meg Ryan was. Uh-huh. And going to the Meg Ryan, Kevin Klein thing, because I thought of that during this too. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> of, of like chemistry and yeah. attraction. Because in reading up on this, Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey hate one another. Yeah. And did actively I, I, during this movie. I read that they too. They did since back in Red Dawn, which then I wish we'd paired this up to, with Red Dawn because oh, that would have been incredible. God. But wait, did you just... So you don't like Red Dawn? It's just been a long time. Wolverine! Yeah, and I just remember, like, I, yeah, I don't know. Oh my god. Okay, so, but they have terrific sexual chemistry. Amazing. Yeah, They look at one another, particularly she looks at him with such adoring eyes. Yeah. And she hates his guts. Yeah. Um, I feel like my Meg Ryan argument (laughs) is pretty much one. Yeah, I have to travel back in time for it, but... Hmm? Sure. Well, yeah, you can't just throw that back at me. I want like a, a full mea culpa here. Why? You didn't give me a full mea culpa when you were apologizing for uh, dismissing my throat whistle ideas. Kind of did. You, you did. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I, um, I, sure. so Jennifer, Jennifer Grey has better sexual chemistry than Meg Ryan. That's I'll take it. Okay. We're going to put that on Meg Ryan's tombstone someday. I hope a long time from now. I don't want her to die. I just, when she does, someday, I'd like that on there. Um, you know, 50 years from now. I hope she has a long, full, chemistry-less life. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a mean thing to say to someone. Uh, so, Baby ends up accidentally attending a party that the staff is putting on for themselves. And while there, she meets Patrick Swayze's Johnny, who is the king of this group. Patrick Swayze in this movie looks about 45 years old. Yeah. It is problematic how old he looks. And she's playing a 17-year-old. It's yeah. never stated in the movie how old he is. No. In looking at stuff, evidently he's supposed to be 20 years old. Yeah. No way. So that would make the relationship better, 20 and 17. I can stomach that. Yeah. But he looks like he has grandchildren. Yeah. So it is real upsetting him setting her up in these ways. I, I agree. It's problematic. It's not good. It's real bad. Um, but she ends up getting in good with this group. She learns that one of the women there, who's Johnny's former flame and current best friend, is pregnant, which in this movie, pregnancy is basically cancer. It means you're going to die. No. I no? So. I, it's very dire, for sure. And I think that... But she's, it's, it's not like, oh, I'm pregnant and that's a bad thing. She's like laying there like she's dying. Because... 
her career is dancing, and it was going to ruin But it. she's ill. And she... <laughs> and not like morning sickness ill. Mortally ill. She needs this. She needs this procedure. Uh, they build it up like it's going to kill her. I think the idea was that it was going to kill her future because and 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 her reputation you know because she's knocked up by somebody who isn't going to be involved and it's going to be a fatherless child um and and she's a dancer like she that that provides her life and so the idea that you know and she would get fired and she'd get blacklisted from all okay, these resorts. I'll, I'll accept all that we got we got to get this thing back okay. on track we're so far behind all right so uh, baby finds out this is the case. Baby, eager to get in good with everybody and be helpful. Baby is as upper middle class, well-meaning liberal as is possible. I know. <laughs> She's joining the Peace Corps. She's great been accepted. I think into an Ivy League school, right? Uh, Holyoke. Yeah. Okay, good school. Yeah. Um, she's on her way up. She's a yeah. very good little liberal girl. Yeah. But she's slumming it with this gang for a little while and really wants to help them out. She asks her father for a gift of 250 bucks, I think? Yeah. A lot of money. Uh, to provide this abortion. The From the traveling abortion doctor who comes in right. you know, once a month or whatever. I imagine he's got like a circus tent. Ugh. Calliope music. Oh, geez. That, I think that'd be soothing. Calliope music? Oh, my God. That's everything. There's a clown nose. You just, you're so offensive. Like, so... <laughs> what part? Male privilege offensive. Keep talking. Well, I'm not making like... I'm making fun of the doctor. Keep going. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> really, I'm making fun of the movie. I, I think the the stru... How can I put this? The movie doesn't take these ideas very seriously. And so it's hard for me to when I watch them. It takes them melodramatically. You don't think it's melodramatic. For the listener, she was just gaping like a fish. Because abortion wasn't legal. It's a big deal. She didn't have a lot of options. She needed to get an abortion, so there was visit this doctor. Abortion is a big deal, but abortion is used in this movie as a plot device. Because they need a way for Baby to have to take dance lessons. Because Baby has to replace this woman in the dance routine. And so I agree Abortion is a big deal. Of course it is. I'm not making light of that. But it's used as a crutch to get that woman out of the picture and away from Johnny and integrate baby into that life. And that it, that this is abortion as plot device, very literally. I don't think so. I mean, it is. Yeah, it is a plot device. But that, but that shouldn't be a point against it. I mean, if you... Because, because what that part of the storyline allows to happen is to expose the social and class issues around being pregnant and unmarried, around the, you know, historical struggle for women's reproductive health freedom, um, that it was exposing what women had to go through before they could go to a doctor and the rights that um, certain part, you know, parts of our current political administration are continuing to try and take away and put us back in that situation. Like, I, it's not just a plot device. Like, it's a huge thing in the movie to show all, and that, and that's why, you know, super eager lefty liberal baby gets involved because she believes in this right and she wants to help. And then, dad, upper class doctor, judges everybody. Also liberal. Also liberal, but later judges everybody for being involved in all of that. Like, well, and that's a t- real weird thing in his character too. 
To but but to who's say, responsible for this? I don't think that's weird. I think that fits with the kind of man of the time. It's, no, but uh, it may be the man of the time. Then I'll judge the man of the time. That's fine. You say who's responsible for this? But no, then he, he says who's responsible for this woman. Me- okay. Meaning, who should I be talking to? Right, which is why Swayze says, it's me yes. earning the disdain of Jerry Orbach. Yeah. But, it's, I guess I, well, this is skipping ahead a bit. Let, let, okay, let's but, finish our very quick summary, because we're well, but also going me, so long this time. I know, it's okay, though. But let me, <laughs> but let me, <laughs> let me finish my point, though, about plot device. Like, like, in the past, in episodes in the past, when you've said, it's just a plot device... And, and I have said, yeah, and that's how you tell a story. You create obstacles that the characters have to work over. I think that you use that phrase, plot device, as dismissive of things that are important. And I think, yes, this is a plot device. And my reaction to rewatching this movie as an adult was, oh my god, this whole movie is about an abortion. And it... And it's not but it's, just oh. a plot device. It is part of the plot. And it's it would be about the abortion important. if... What's her name? Penny? Penny. It would be about an abortion if this was Penny's story. But it's Baby's story. Which, now, saying her name out loud in this context is kind of making me sick to my stomach. <laughs> um, it's Baby's story of being woken up to the world around her because she's been in a bubble. Being woken up to the world around her? Yeah. Come on. Alright, finish your summary. Okay, so... <laughs> that is, I feel like we're going to go real different places with this. So, <laughs> she tries to get help for uh, Penny. Among the ways she helps Penny is she takes over her place in a dance routine. And this is the impetus for Johnny to have to train Baby up to be a great dancer. And that is by far the best part of the movie. The Absolutely. sequences of them training to dance, Jennifer Grey's extraordinary charm in these scenes is amazing. Johnny, on the other hand, is an unre- unrelenting prick. Yeah, he's throughout. <laughs> How did this movie make Swayze a sex icon? Johnny is a piece of shit in this oh, movie. He he's is terrible. Really fun to watch. I think he's okay to watch. Oh, I think I'm, I'm he's very pretty comfortable excellent da- dancer. I'm, he's a very good dancer. Juilliard trained, you know. Who's Julie? I'm kidding. Mm. So, but it's That's terrible. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> There's. I'm very comfortable admitting when a man's good looking. I have no like yeah. hang up about whatsoever. Swayze is a fine looking man, but I don't think he's sexy in this movie. Are you telling me when they're messing around in the cabin and it's raining and they're doing the Oh Sylvia and that whole thing, I simply say, Baby that whole song I, and they're crawling along the floor towards each other? It's all arched she, back okay, and ass up. Doing, like, that's amazing on both of them. She's doing the heavy lifting in all those scenes. Correct, but he ain't bad. He's not bad. I don't think it's, he's terrible. But, but the character is right so there. wildly unlikable. He's such a petulant, whiny baby at all times. Which, when you learn he's supposed to be 20 years old, makes sense. Yeah. But when he's played by a man who looks like he could be my dad, that's a problem. You can't fault Patrick Swayze for a casting choice that somebody well, else I made. I kind of can. Because he's still <laughs> making the decision on how he's going to play it. He doesn't have to play it petulant. No. He can play it reserved, or he can play it all kinds of ways. But instead, it's... <laughs> you you that, don't know how it is, baby. Maybe. But if that's how the character is written... Yeah, there's still decisions in delivery. And maybe they adjust some of those things. Because he really is greeting in the movie. 
I wanted so badly to like him in this and found it impossible. But what made it better for me was I played a little mental game pretending <laughs> that he is the unacknowledged, that's unacknowledged, he's the same character that he was in The Outsiders. It's that he escaped his like hard scrabble life there to become a dance coach. And then this movie is much more enjoyable. Well, which is actually kind of his story that he tells about. Like, yeah. He was supposed it's to the be same a, era that a it takes union place worker in. and... So if you think of this as the Arthur Murray came around offering right. lessons. So if you think of this as the unintended sequel to The Outsiders, it's a lot better. I mean, I think it's a great movie. So okay, well, that's a fun. You know, that's okay. Here, a here's fun my favorite to add. I know we're getting to our top three later, but I'm just gonna reserve this one. Okay. My favorite moment in this movie is when Baby goes up to Robbie, a snooty waiter who's wooing yeah. her sister, but happens to be the father of Penny's zygote. He says to her, That's, they just don't count, baby. Some people don't count. And oh then he says, God. you should read this book. I know. And it's The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand. And to watch a, a Randian be the butt of a joke gave me more happiness than I can explain. It, it was absolutely one of my top moments, too. Yeah. Because Incredible. I certainly didn't pick up on that as a kid. No, God, and, no. And, and that's the thing. Like he, That's the class struggle there. Yeah. Is he's... He is putting into words exactly what is being portrayed by the divide yeah. between the dancers and the waiters and all of that. And yeah, no, I know popping Anytime out. Anytime someone like has a randy and asshole look like a prick, I'm oh, good. Popping out the fountainhead out of his back pocket yeah. while he's. I wrote in my notes, this movie just improved one thousand percent. It was so good, and the look of dis—that's more amazing acting from Jennifer Grey because the She's look so good. of disgust on her face when he tried, because you know she read it and she read it because some professor or teacher told her she had to yeah. and she read it and knew how wrong it was um and the look of disgust on her face is so amazing yeah and um, what did she say you disgust me yeah so yeah, good it's really good <laughs> um here's here's an example of a moment that annoyed me and we, i'm still building the plot climax but this will get to it so they're doing their training of dancing and there's a moment where johnny and baby are training and they have to do some like flourish move backward and he says oh you try what are you trying to do kill me because he hurts his back in some way yeah i rewound it and watched that moment three times she doesn't do anything yeah she's just next to him and i realize it's a movie and you can't have her really hurt the guy or anything but it just on first viewing it looked like oh nothing went wrong it just made me hate johnny more through the whole movie i'm just hating johnny the whole time but then it starts to make sense why he is how he is because this movie isn't about baby and this movie isn't about penny this movie is about how much Johnny wishes Jerry Warbach was his dad. Oh my god. That is what this movie's about. This is about daddy issues from Johnny. Because he says, oh, your dad's going to come in and just save he everybody. He doesn't. Stop doing the accent. He doesn't have an accent like that. Well, your dad's going to come in. Oh He's my gonna... god. Like, what kind of accent does he have? I don't know. Just, it's like New Jersey or something. But please don't try it because you're terrible at accents. <laughs> I'm just not good at any of these accents. I have I'm some a, I'm good at. I'm a better singer than you are good at accents, and that's... That we are both terrible. <laughs> exactly. So, um, <laughs> he makes multiple references to, your dad's going to come and save everything. Yeah. And then after the father helps Penny because of her hack job abortion she gets, um, he comes in and saves her. Yeah. And is, you know, reluctant to have to do it. But he's happy to save a life, but he doesn't... He wishes he was in the scenario. Yeah. So he's abusive to Johnny as he leaves. And Johnny, instead of feeling like, oh, that jerk yelled at me, he's full of awe for what her father's done. And since he's a great man, I could never do those great things. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of the movie, they have the big, uh, baby's forbidden from seeing Johnny again. There's a big end of year event 
where baby sister sings in one of my favorite moments in the movie. It's rough. It's so purposely rough, though. Like, this is one of the yeah. best comic performances yeah. ever. It's incredible. Um, she's really good. She deserves more time in this movie. I don't even know who the actress is. She did a few other things that were kind of similar, but... She's great. Yeah. She's really good in this. She's funny. Um, there's a big dance event where everyone's charmed into liking... Th- we're skipping so much, but it doesn't matter. There's an old woman who steals wallets. There's a lady who's... Schumachers. Sl- the Schumachers. There's a lady who's been sleeping with Swayze the whole time who is a very good-looking older lady. She was actually the um, assistant choreographer because the woman who played Baby's mom was supposed to play that role. Oh. But they actually, um, Kelly Bishop, who I love because of Gilmore Girls, um, was actually, somebody got, the person who was going to play the role of Baby's mom got sick and so they put Kelly Bishop in there and then they were like, hey, choreographer, here you go. She's. (laughs) She's, yeah. She's something. Got the bullet boobs on point, man. The bullet bra of the 60s. That thing is Crazy. I'm glad you're the one who said that, not me. Um, <laughs> so point. there's so many things. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, Jerry Orbach gives a reluctant approval of Baby now being with Johnny. Yeah. And he says, you know, something along the lines of, it's okay, son, and puts the like fatherly hand on his shoulder. And nothing makes Johnny happier in the movie than <laughs> that moment. Look at his face. This movie is about Johnny <laughs> wanting dad's approval. So much. I think I think it's a movie about a lot of things. So sure, yeah. That, okay, that's on the list then. That's a nice little subplot there. Sure. It made him happy. It did. It made him a lot <laughs> happier than being with this woman. And that brings up one last point, and then I'll let you tear me up. Baby is making a horrible mistake being with Johnny. Well, yeah. She's got this huge life ahead of her. All these things, but Johnny is also remarkably stupid. Whenever talking to him, he is wildly dumb as yeah. a character. They have nothing to talk about. The only thing they have is dancing and sexual chemistry. And she's going to throw away a lot of things, evidently, to pursue this. What convinces you that they are going to last beyond this summer? Nothing convinces me beyond the fact that I don't think Johnny would let her go. Because I never, even when I watched this movie as a kid, I never thought this was a happily ever after story. I did not think that they'd go off into the sunset and get... Have a nice Jewish wedding under a chuppah somewhere. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I This movie is about this young, sheltered girl getting exposed to all of these different things, understanding herself as a sexual being, understanding the things that she wants, understanding that the kind of person that she wants to be has different levels to it, which she says to her dad, like, you know... That you can be this change-the-world kind of person on a very broad scale, but you also have to be a change-the-world kind of person on a personal level, too, where you apply your ethics to the people that you encounter every day. It can't just be, I want to save these people. It should also be, I want to be kind and non-judgmental to people I encounter every day, right? So, And I think part of that, this, in my head, was always a summer fling. And, and because I think that they don't put it forward as a happily ever after, I don't know. I think this is an incredibly progressive movie. And, and I, was reading, mm. I was reading later about it. Um, 
that it is still held up by like pro-choice groups and women's advocacy groups as the only movie in the last 30 years. Now, I think this review was written before um, the, what, what was it? The Jenny Slate movie. The Jenny Slate movie, The Serious uh, Child. Something like that, Some Child. Um, before, it was written before that, but they were saying it's the only movie in the last 30 years to, to feature an abortion and talk about an abortion and never once go into the subject of the moral question of whether or not having the abortion was correct and that it was just looking at the issue of providing for the woman's health and providing for her future ability to have children. And I think that that's massive, that nobody ever questions her right to do this or anything like that. Yeah, okay, I'll go with you on that. I didn't even note that because it's so aligned with my personal beliefs that it didn't seem odd to me. But maybe it should have stood out to me for precisely that reason. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I mean that's a huge issue, and um, and so, so I think it's incredibly progressive in that way. I think it's incredibly progressive that that sh- that baby never questions having se- unmarried sex, um, but it. And then when she talks to her sister who wants to sleep with Robbie and it seems very yeah. like perfunctory, like her sister just kind of wants to lose her virginity and maybe, you know, snare Robbie into a future yeah. relationship. Um, and then that, that, that is kind of judged as like not okay. And, and baby's point is, well, she says it should be with someone you love. It should be with someone you love. And I, and I think that that's a, I think that's a big deal. Like to, in the early sixties to talk about sex is something that's not connected to marriage. And so in my head watching this movie, it was never a go off into the sunset, white picket fence, have a co- two and a half kids. This was a summer fling that was was going to peter out when she was going to go to college because she was never going to not go to college. And that's an empowering story to tell. Women being in charge of their own sexuality. I mean, that's what her learning you, to you won't dance hear me, is about, too. But you won't hear me say anything bad about the baby character. I, I love the character of baby. The dad... I think is inconsistent, but on the whole, I'm good with. He comes in to help. He is. He learns from his errors as a father and becomes a better father in the end. Oh man, Jerry Orbach's trembling chin. Whoa, just kills me. That's a. It's a punk band name if I've ever heard one. Yeah, but like when he's upset after she confronts him, that's an amazing speech that she gives, and he starts to kind of I just and his the silver in his hair. I okay, love. I like Orbeck. this movie way more than I thought I would. I just came away from it not liking the character that, in theory, I'm supposed to fall in love with. But again, I I don't think you are. I think you're supposed to fall in love with Baby and her choices. But she falls in love with him, and if I'm supposed to think that her choices are great. By extension, I would think that he is great. And I think he's terrible. If if the question is, has she found someone great to lose her virginity to because he looks like he'd be great in bed, then I'll agree. Because he's a great dancer. The dance scenes are awesome and charming so and they made me want to dance. Unless it was, of course, She's Like the Wind, which made me want to put nails in my ears. You know who sings it, right? I do. <laughs> and it did not make Johnny more appealing that it was Patrick Swayze's voice. That was the funny thing. In the movie, every old song, every like yeah. contemporary song on the soundtrack is great. Every modern song on the soundtrack is terrible. I don't know. Time of really? my life isn't horrible. It's not great. It doesn't compare to, well, God, do I want to save this? Oh, <laughs> I have to save it for when we talk about Roadhouse. Okay. Music. No, I'm going to say this one thing. Okay. 
the love scene in both of the movies is to an Otis Redding song, the same Otis Redding song. Yes, it is. Which blew my mind. Patrick Swayze made two movies back-to-back, and both of them have a sex scene to the same Otis Redding song. But that's because... These arms of mine. 98% of Otis Redding songs make the whole world want to take their clothes off and do it. This is why I listen to them all the time. Yeah. But... Two movies back to back, both of which are in our podcast <laughs> right, right now. I think about John Cryer. This is Otis. Otis in Pretty in Pink. That's I've funny. never seen it. Oh, that's right. God damn. Yeah. And someday you'll make me watch that drack. Oh, John Cryer. All right, so, so good. All right, go ahead. Well, continue telling me why I'm wrong about this movie. No, I don't think you're wrong. Because I, I, I mostly liked it. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're missing. I think you're missing the point, which is is that... Is that this is a movie about baby, god damn it, learning. <laughs> god damn it, baby. Living and yes! loving. Yes! <laughs> so much success. And losing. Um, Ooh. Because that virginity. Losing the V. I think it's a different story than the one that you watched. I think you, I think you were looking at it through more. Through Swayze eyes? No, I... Hungry Eyes, as no. it says in this movie. Was that looking at it through Hungry Eyes? Okay, that's not a bad song. When Look at You and I Can't Disguise, I've got... Although the best thing about that movie is... Well, about that song in the movie, rather, is during that dance sequence, they could... To the moment the phrase Hungry Eyes comes up, her eyes come up and lock with his. Yeah. And my heart skipped a beat. It's pretty good. She's terrific in this. She's so good. She's so good. I, I think you're looking at it through surprisingly traditional notions of romance because if you look because if you look at this story with they go off into the sunset then you're missing that this is like a movie about a young is woman's she... liberation now let me preface the statement a little bit i don't mind if this is the case i'm not objecting if this is the case is this ultimately a story about her using him for his sexuality and her own satisfaction. I hope it is, because that'd be an interesting echo with the woman that he's, the older woman he's been involved with, because he feels used all the time. Yeah. Is she using him? Because no. that'd be an interesting twist. That'd be a nice gender twist in all of this, a reversal of this is about her liberation and her coming into her own, her getting what she wants, and I'm on board. I'm, I'm into it. But that would mean she knows he's a schmuck that she's going to leave behind. Using is not the right word, but I think that there are people who come into our lives for a short amount of time, whether it's in a sexual way or in a friend way or, you know, like I think about the people I was in with in my grad program who for three years were my world and my support and I talked to three of them now. And you were getting the same thing out of one another. There was an honesty there. It was a reciprocal relationship. He got... Okay, so I think there are t- people who come into our lives for a short amount of time that that are, um, they change us, and they okay. have an effect on us. And, and and then we just leave them behind. Yeah, and that's That's a okay. problem for him, though. He says, my mom kicked me out. He has, he has real attachment issues. I'm not, and I could give a shit how John feels. I'm all for him being left behind. I'm all on Team Baby. But I think he learned something. I think he gained something from it as well. Yeah, he finally got a grown man to say he approved. Sure, but he also learned about himself and being a man and... What does he learn about himself? 
the kind of person that he wants to be and that he can stand up and that he can challenge this system that he's kind of stuck in. Mm. And that he has bravery because he comes in and nobody puts baby in the corner. Which, we oh had, my God. We had to say it. We had Holy to say shit. it. Holy shit. Okay, two things. One, Kelly his finest is moment <laughs> is saying, um, when he calls her Francis instead of baby, freeing her Super from her childhood good. nickname so good. into Francis and being an adult. That's terrific. It's great. The nobody puts baby in a corner, as famous as that line is, it makes no goddamn sense. Agreed. It's weird. She is sitting in a corner, but it's not like she's in trouble and punished with her nose in the corner. I think his point was that the spotlight should be on her, and it's not. But she's not on stage. But her sister gets the spotlight all the time, and I. But okay, be, maybe, maybe there's some series of deleted scenes that builds to that. No, because but there's nothing in the movie to build up the line. Nobody puts baby in a corner. It ties in with the sister before when they're sitting there, and her sister says, "I'll do your hair. I'll make it pretty." And then she kind of pauses and she says, "No, it's prettier your way." And the whole point is that's been what baby has been learning this whole time is that. She wants to. She wants to be this young liberal, Ivy League educated woman that her parents want to be. But she also needs to do things her way. Right. And so nobody puts baby in the corner. It's about the name. It's about how she's been. All right. I, I think that's very. I don't know. Post textual. It's not. It doesn't. No. It. There's nothing. I, in I that agree. Moment there. It comes to out. Of, that it line. comes out of nowhere. But it's, and it became this huge thing. Because it's a great line. It's a great line, but it's, it's not as good it's as I like, carried a watermelon. It's not as good as I carried a watermelon. <laughs> so good. In part because Jennifer Grey delivers one line and not the other. Yeah. I, by my heart, she should have been nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah. She's great. She's, She's so unreal good. great in this movie. I yeah. So overall, I'm into it. I would watch it again just to see Jennifer Grey in this movie. She's awesome. Be adorable. So my top three things, really my top three things are all just saying Jennifer oh Grey's name over and over we again. We did an hour. I know. <laughs> Dirty dancing. This is why I was saying we need to hurry. <laughs> okay. Jennifer Grey. All of the soundtrack that's not m contemporary music is great. Three I'm going to have is a tie. The sister dancing and singing is amazing. The dancing is great. It's a really well shot movie. It is. It's a terrific looking movie. So there it is. Would I recommend it to your mom? Gail? I would recommend it to you. <laughs> and nobody gets to put Gail in the corner. Nobody does put Gail in the corner. How did your mom react to me saying I was going to watch French Kiss with her and cuddle? Uh, we haven't talked about it. That does not seem possible. No. She said, I, I had a busy week. Okay, because I feel like that's what the listeners really want to know. <laughs> How'd your mom feel about me? I I don't want to say threatening. I feel like like inviting her, basically to a Netflix and chill. Oh Jesus! <laughs> what? That is not what that means. I'm pretty sure it is. But it, chill doesn't mean cuddling. Right, I know. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> You're uncomfortable with this conversation? A little bit. Netflix and Gale. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, Roadhouse. The greatest goddamn movie ever made. Oh my god, no. I don't think it is either, but go okay. on. Alright, so I wrote my, my haiku summary, and I had trouble not reacting. Taking shots at me? 
No, just not having a reaction to the movie. Like, I wanted to make the haiku around the worst line in any movie ever. Which is? I used to fuck guys like you in prison. That's the worst line you've ever heard. Okay, maybe not. But it's certainly the worst line in this movie. No, there's way worse lines in this movie. This movie's full of bad lines. Weird. Um, Oh, yeah. Only thing missing is your ass. That was a weird line. So, I... But I... Try to stay true. The haiku's about a summary. So here it is. Okay. Best bouncer around. Gotta rid town of gang boss. Good. Fighting wins loving. It's my version of... <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Lives, loves, learns. It's, it's not as snappy, but it's good. I had trouble. Um, I needed six syllables at the end there, and I didn't have them, so... I don't understand. I wanted more syllables. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Roadhouse is a movie about the best bouncer around. A cooler. A cooler, which like my first response on my notes. I, okay, I will say this: the movie opens. We are introduced to Dalton. Yeah. The with a steady cam shot of his mullet, like so funny. It's that it, glorious. It's like the opening shot of the movie is like it zooms in on his mullet. It was great. So yeah, he's a cooler. And my thought about this was like, is there really like a pipeline for amazing bouncers that someone's going to come? This happens in a fantasy world. It's crazy talk. It's bonkers. Where people carry machetes around for no reason. Well, that's true. He's a bouncer. Um, The creepy guy who's creepy in every other movie he's in comes and gets him and says, I need you to come to outside of Kansas City. I got this bar and it's... Jasper. um, Yeah. The double deuce. And Pete, which means a, it's poop, right? Do, do, I think it's actually like a pair of twos and cards. But it just sounds like poop. Sure. I um, a lot about you. <laughs> well, because it's a number two. Yeah, two is used... Can you not count without giggling? <laughs> Teaching a little kid one, two... <laughs> they said poop. Because people say, I gotta drop a deuce. Like, that's a phrase. They do say that. So, like, a double one, like, ooh, what did you eat? All right. <laughs> Cooler, they bring him down to Jasper. He's because buckets of blood are spilled every day, and they gotta sweep up the eyeballs every night. Crazy roadhouse, right? Yeah. If you want to know what the worst line in this movie is, it's the kind of place where we sweep up the eyeballs every night. But at least that conveys something and means something. What is I used to fuck guys like you in prison? I think we all know what that means. But he's threatening him, so yeah, like I'm so dominant that when I was in prison, and I'm a man who's been in prison. I was raping men like you. I don't know. That's an incredibly threatening line. But that actor is super weird, and he says it with, like, a joyousness that makes me feel like... Yeah, it's more threatening. Maybe it was, like, fucking in a nice way, and it was consensual. That's why he says, I used to make love to men like you in prison. (laughs) I I used to sweetly embrace. And I just, like, maybe he likes him, and he's bad at... Oh, there's definitely a lot of homoerotic. Oh, my God. Okay. So he comes down, got to clean the place up. Turns out the whole town's controlled by Wesley. Wesley? Brad Wesley. Brad Wesley. Played by Ben Gazzara. Yeah, that was good. I like Ben Gazzara. Yeah, he's great. But um, owns the whole town. Everybody has to pay um, protection money to him. Mm -hmm. The bars can't get liquor without him. He he runs the whole place, right? He's going to get JCPenney in there one day. (laughs) That's a weird speech. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just becomes like... Fight the mob boss story, and Kelly Lynch is in there. Yeah, looking good. Ugh, we're gonna disagree on this one. Not well. 
I think it's the worst Kelly Lynch has ever looked. She's a very beautiful woman, and she looks... She looks... They're like, can we make a doll that represents the 80s? And that's the look they give her in this movie. I mean, she looks good when she's naked. Uh, The other lady looks better naked in the movie. We'll we'll get to that, though. Okay. No, I mean, I'm almost done. Okay, great. (laughs) Good, I have so much to say. And, uh, and yeah, and then there's a bunch of fights, and then, oh um, and, and they bring in Sam Elliott, who, yeah. that's fun, I enjoyed that, and then he gets killed, and then Wesley gets killed, and everybody just lies to protect, and it's... Oh my god. I was so bored at the end of this, <laughs> that I, I had to read, I had to, like, read the plot summary on Wikipedia this morning before I came over, because I forgot how it ended, because I was Ugh. so bored, and I think I was looking at my phone at the end of this. Oh my god. It was, like, the first hour was fun, and the end of it was super boring, and I just didn't care. Oh my god. Ugh. But, 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 I had uh-huh. this, I had this thought. Yeah. This is your chick flick. Oh, I'm going to fully embrace that statement in just a second here. Okay, so for the first time in this, like, endeavor of ours, Mm -hmm. I have the, like, maybe important thinking movie, because it's this progressive movie about women's choice, and you've got the piece of shit emotional, you're just watching it because it, like, revs you up. I definitely handed you a lot of red meat to chew into on this one. Yes. That I'm a little surprised you're not more up in arms on. But here's the first thing I'm going to say about this movie. It was so ridiculous. I it, will they, never... Selling titty kisses? What what world do people <laughs> sell their girlfriend's breasts out for men to kiss for 20 bucks? Though I liked that the other guy totally swindled them and was just feeling her yeah. up and was like, yeah, I don't have 20 bucks. That was kind of funny. But... I will never... If it weren't for Jeff Seeley, I would not have cared at all about this movie. I will I will never say this is a capital G grade movie. Well, ever. I am not going to defend it as being a work of art. I'm not going to say it is a thing that should last for forever. But it is the ultimate cult guy movie. And it's a movie that one should see to be pop culture literate. Why? What great lines come out of this movie that people quote all the time? Uh, okay, the number one line would be, pain don't hurt. Which every man on the planet knows the line, pain don't hurt. I've never heard that before in my life. You, I, you just weren't listening. And my partner's best friend claims that this is his favorite movie, and he's never said this to me. He also really enjoys The Notebook, though, so he's a multifaceted guy. He really is. <laughs> um, Not so, my partner. <laughs> so this movie... Oh, well, your partner can also be multifaceted. He is, but he... Um, yeah. yeah, this is a boring-ass movie. Oh, you're so wrong. <laughs> This movie is the furthest thing from boring. It's crazy and doesn't make a lot of sense and it's not very good. But boring, I would never say about it. When it was just Patrick Swayze kicking ass and like fun dance scenes in the bar, that was all good. When it became like the grand struggle against the mob boss, bleh, I don't care. Oh my god. This is so boring. This is the hardest debate I've ever had because you're just not even going to engage in it. I'm gonna you're be just going to go, I'm, I'm going to be a six-year-old about it. Clearly this is the case. So this movie is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recontextualize it twice. The popular theory about this movie and what the director has said is that this movie is ultimately a Western. When you watch it that way, it makes a lot of sense. The, the straight arrow comes to the... Dirty town to clean it up. Yeah, he's, it takes he's place wider. In the, he's a right, sheriff. It takes place in the saloon. 
Everything has Western names. Uh, and oh! Dalton. I have something I have to tell you about saloons. Oh, okay. I looked up why they have towels in oh, front of the bar yeah. in Bone Tomahawk. Tell me. It was to wipe away the beer foam. But it was also one of the main spreaders of tuberculosis. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't sound good. Horrif horrifying. Okay, all right, all. moving on. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's a Western. And it is ludicrous as a result. It is all big and operatic and crazy. And it is totally ludicrous. There are moments of leaps in logic that make absolutely no sense. But that's part of why I like the movie, because it's funny. And I think it is deliberately tongue-in-cheek. enjoy it. I enjoy the lunacy of this movie, yes. Okay. Again, I will not say it's a good movie. And my <laughs> wife even said, this is the movie where Amy gets to shift things around on you. And I said, yep, she does. But I'm standing firm on this one. Because unlike, say, A French Kiss, where... It's I, just French Kiss. When you put the article in front of it, it's like you're talking about something that's like happening. Like you I and mean, my mom. <laughs> that you're still stuck on that's weird. <laughs> that you're still picturing it. Um, uh, what I mean is a movie of the caliber of French Kiss. Yeah. It's, if you would have instead said, you need to watch Sleepless in Seattle. Right? Another Meg Ryan romantic comedy. Which I don't enjoy. I don't, I've never seen it, but it's, it's, it's the major one yeah. people refer to, right? To say like, that's the major one. Yeah, it's silly and it's cheesy, but I love it. And it's of its ilk, the best of its kind, right? I get it. I go, okay, fine. I get it. Roadhouse is the you've got mail or the sleepless in Seattle or whatever it is of cheesy dude movies. No way, man. Top Gun. It's not close. Oh. It's Roadhouse. Top Gun. You're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> so it's got all the cheesy 80s stuff oh. that marks a dude movie. And it is a crazy film. It's got unnecessary strip teases. Yeah. It has dialogue that makes no sense whatsoever. It does it also has have some good, some funny dialogue that I really enjoy. Maybe the funniest line, but it's not intended to be funny, is when... Dalton goes into the hospital, gets stitched up, and meets his soon-to-be girlfriend. And she says, I see here you've got a degree in philosophy at NYU. Why would that be in his medical records? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, and... It's a silly movie. And in that same scene, she says, you're going to kill yourself. And he says, that's what they say. And she says, oh, you've spoken to somebody else? And he goes, no, just that's what they say. Yeah. Like, that great. was really good. I like yeah. that line. The no, recurring line, I thought you'd be bigger. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, you know, he's this little guy. But here's the thing. Here's where I'm okay. going to up it a level. Everyone says it's Western. I see the logic in that. But watching it this time, I don't think it's a Western. I think this is a samurai movie. I think they tried to make a Kurosawa Mifune film set in modern times. The lone ronin, masterless man comes in. He wears geese a lot. There's very few guns in the movie for the most part. It's all knives and blades. Dumb, it's this ridiculously large blades. It's trying to be a modern samurai movie. And I don't think it necessarily does a good job of it. But I think that's interesting. But isn't... I mean, but not a samurai, more a ronin movie. Because he's masterless. He is right. his own Right, well, master. that's a type of samurai. No, I, well, but a samurai is a feudal warrior. Like, I don't know. Well, okay, sorry, a ronin is a former feudal yeah. warrior who's now without master. Yeah, because he know, doesn't if you look at, like, work for um, anybody. He's a mercenary. Seven Samurai or Yojimbo or something like that. It feels a lot like Yojimbo in a lot of ways. It's not as good. I mean, Kurosawa's, you know, greatest films of all time. This is a really silly, cheesy movie. I think it does interesting things. 
a side note on this, I was watching the movie again, and my wife came in. I wanted her. I wanted to demonstrate to her that panties in the '80s were the worst panties of all time. You see a lot of them in this movie, and all underwear because the dudes all look like they're wearing diapers in their underwear. Yeah. There's a lot of dude butt in this movie. Yeah. A lot of '80s dude buns. Yeah, but not Sam Elliott. She's looking at, well. That's just it. So she's looking at that's at, a at, at Patrick Swayze, and my wife said, "I just don't get it. I feel no attraction to him. I don't think he's a sexy man." She had not seen the movie before. Sam Elliott came on screen. Oh yeah. And her posture changed. Oh, oh yeah. Oh god. Everyone. Sam's here. Oh. Mm. Every woman's posture sh- posture should change when Sam Elliott comes on the screen, especially with the long hair this time around. She said that she said I'm not Ooh. allowed to cut my hair again. She's like you're growing your hair out. Ooh, so good. Dang, and like Sam the tight Elliott. pants and the boots and yeah. Sam Elliott. And then he just opens his mouth and like the tenor of his voice. Just straight honey pours out of his mouth. It and it like plucks a string way deep and down down inside a lady. <laughs> it plucks a string oh, deep down. Oh yeah. <laughs> Although at this point he had neither beard nor mustache, he just had a lot of shadow on, it's like okay. a lot of lost stubble going. Doesn't matter. Really? Because I feel like I mean, he looks I... so much better with the beard or the mustache. Oh yeah, no, I like that mustache, but but either way, either way, it's working. Mm, so good. Were you sad when he died in the movie? Yeah, but yeah, also that's right. Okay. So bored. This movie has a <laughs> has a Bigfoot style giant truck in it. Yes, I looked it up. Actually, it was Bigfoot Seven. This movie has a man tackled by a stuffed polar bear. That was a terrible scene. It's hilarious. I it's wrote, supposed to be no, funny. No, I wrote in my notes, bear falling on guy was awful. Because it's it, funny. He does it as it falls on. It's supposed to be funny. There's but, crazy parties. But it, this movie doesn't know who it is. I, I Sure, it's a samurai movie. It doesn't make it any better. But then... Oh my, did you just turn into me? Yes! This movie doesn't know who it is. <laughs> yes! We're actually switching places this whole episode. <laughs> oh, I don't think I've seen Trading Places. Um, You've never seen Trading Places? No, I think I probably have. Ugh. But a long time ago. Um, right. But, no, I... It doesn't know who it is. Like, it's either an action movie, or it's like a David and Goliath story, or it's a samurai movie, or it's wacky and zany. Like, the stuff at the end was so weird, and oh, I was so bored. Ugh. But... So, I don't understand how those two statements can go together. I will accept everything you just said about none of this goes together, it's wacky, there's all these genres, it's this mashup of stuff, the costume choices are always weird. Ben Gazzara wearing soft, knee-high boots is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And so many high-waisted pleated pants. But then saying it's so boring. It is constantly surprising and strange and funny and weird. Because I I didn't care about the story about the big bad boss. Like, I was more... I liked what happened inside the bar more than anything. If it had just kind of stayed about that, sure. But then you got to bring in all the other people and the general store owner and the building's getting bombed. It just... so I love that you said general store owner because it's an auto parts store, but since it's basically a western, it is a general store. Whatever. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, and his name was Red. Yeah, they're um, all Western names. I just, I just didn't care about like the bigger story. The stuff about him as like a character, like let's go into some of his interesting motivations about the Mercedes that he keeps hidden. Like it's very interesting. He's an interesting character. He's there, strange. I would, I think the story about who Dalton was, how he became the best cooler in the, how he became the protege of Wade Garrett, Sam yeah. Elliott's character. Tell me that story. Yeah. I don't Agreed. give a shit about Ben Wesley and all his money. Blah. Ben Wesley? Brad. Brad, what? Played Do- by Ben. 
Let me quote you. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Man, I am. If this is you're I intolerable. Am, I was gonna say charming. No. <laughs> I was gonna go with clearly. I'm fun to listen to. Some people have said that that you have a soothing voice. They're right. Yeah. It's honey dripped on butter. So, I mean, anything else you want to say before I give my top two favorite things? Oh, no. Here's what I'm going to say about that. You have to say three because you always make me say three. Okay. You have to come up with a third. Okay. So, while you're coming up with a third, a last note here. I will never defend Roadhouse as a great movie. I do think it's a movie everyone should see as part of the cultural landscape, the dialogue of pop culture. It is a landmark in that. Sure. And it is peak Swayze. Okay, so again, this is your chick flick. In, in the same way that... I'll accept that. You sure, need yeah. to understand on Wednesdays we wear pink. Like Now, here's my last thing I'm going to say on it, though. I chose it because of all those reasons. I do not particularly love this movie. I This, is, this, this movie, this choice is exactly in keeping with the... Wait, you haven't seen that movie? Yeah. But I will never... If someone said, we should burn every copy, I would not shed a tear. I don't Except love this movie at all. Except for the environmental impact, which should make everyone sad. Really? You just turned into that? <laughs> yeah, because I feel like watching Inconvenient Truth would have been more pleasurable than this movie. <laughs> but except we know you got pleasure from seeing Sam Elliott on screen. That's true. He plucks your string. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does indeed. <laughs> <laughs> he plucks my string. <laughs> okay, top right, three top things. Three. Um, yeah, some of the witticisms. Um, I forget the that's what they say and... There was something about that his answer was opinions vary. And that, and that yeah, was, that was pretty good. That's a good yeah, line. Opinions vary. I wrote that down too. Uh, yeah. I forget the context of it. but um, So, yeah, there was some dialogue choices that were very funny and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Healy. All of it. The music. Yeah, I've seen Jeff Healy. But also, I enjoyed all the music that was being played. I felt sure. like the music in general. People are throwing bottles at him and yeah. dancing without shirts on. Yeah. God, those scenes are weird. But more enjoyable than the ending of the movie. Um, All of the music in the movie actually was very good. Um, Because it was the live band and it was supposed to be kind of the honky-tonk, roadhouse-style stuff. Yeah, classic. None of it was like, oh, God, so 80s. Like, none of it struck me as that. It was good. Um, Okay, so, sure, third thing, Sam Elliott. There we go. Good, good enough. (laughs) I'm going to mention two things to prove the pop culture bona fides of this movie. Okay. One, have you seen the movie Hot Rod? No. What the f- oh, Okay. In, uh, you should just know the answer's gonna be no. <laughs> so, one of the funniest moments in the movie that's not meant to be funny at all is when Dalton is doing Tai Chi by the side of the pond and yes. he's been all baby oiled up. I wrote that the, down. And uh, the kindly farmer who's his landlord is watching him just sort of chewing on his hat because it is inspiring feelings in him that he does not know how to feel about. Well, and there's an earlier comment in the movie. Yeah, oh, that guy's a bit closet homosexual. Okay. If I don't have someone here, the local church is going to talk about that. I was That was a good accent. It was funny. Thank you. Oh, it was better than that. sounded sarcastic. No, no. Okay, no, so, there's a, so in Hot Rod, there's a riff on that scene that's hilarious. And it's not as funny if you haven't seen Roadhouse. Similarly, in McGruber, which I know you haven't seen, there's a whole rip, riff about throat ripping and ripping out throats. Yeah. And that that's Dalton's go-to move is he rips out people's throats. That was gross. It is amazing. I heard he ripped a dude's throat out. And then bizarrely, like, that's his special move, like a video game character, because yeah. he does it again. <laughs> and then he's tempted to do it a third time at one point in the movie. Yeah. He puts up the claw hand yeah. to rip out a throat. Gross. This movie's crazy. 
Agreed. What'd your mom think of it? Uh, yeah, we haven't talked about it again. Oh, well, would maybe she hasn't seen it yet. Would you recommend it to your mom? No. No. Nope. This makes me sad. I mean... I wouldn't recommend it to your mom either. I mean, the first hour. What about just the scenes with Sam Elliott? Yeah, they're kind of short, though, and you wouldn't really know what was going on. Like, it would just be him kind of being weird and limping. Do you think your mom would prefer Patrick Swayze or Sam Elliott? I like that I'm asking you this question. I think who, that, I think Who that, does it more for your mom? Probably Patrick Swayze. Wow! Your mom's she, more of a Swayze lady. Well, because she likes Richard Gere and, um, and you know, her... She prefers more hairless to hair. Well, and her ultimate favorite is Tom Cruise. Really? Oh, she loves Tom Cruise. She loves the Tom. Yeah. How she feel about the Scientology aspect? I think she ignores it. Mm. You yeah. Know? He is, I like Tom Cruise. He's I don't think he's sexy, though. I think he's handsome. Not sexy. There's a distinction there that's interesting. Yeah. Alright. Alright, well. So that was fun. Let's talk about what's next week. Next week. Now that our longest episode ever. It's crazy. I wanted to prove that I like movies other than chick flicks. Mm -hmm. So we're exploring one of my other favorite genres, which is um, science fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so Rob has to watch Fire in the Sky. That's right. Which, isn't it supposed to be like based on a true story or something? Yeah, and I think it's just... So is it science fiction then? Well, it's, I think it's loosely based on all of the gathered accounts of people getting abducted. Okay. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of anal probing. I don't think they go down that road. Go down that road? I think a probe goes up probably more. Wow. Okay. So and there I, is probing. I have to watch The Fly. Oh, wait. Now, hold on. You say I have to. If you are a science fiction fan, in the top ten science yeah. fiction movies of all time is David Cronenberg's The Fly. And I have definitely seen parts of it. It is among my all... Now, as much as I did not defend Roadhouse and will never defend Roadhouse... I will throw myself on top of any attack against the fly. I think it is an absolute masterpiece. I think it's one of the greatest science fiction films of all time, one of the yeah. greatest horror films of all time, and one of the greatest films of all time. And I think has, ooh, I'm going to front load this, I'm going to say it anyway, it has a better love story than any movie we have watched, and I cannot think of many movies with better love stories, period. Nice. It I, is I'm a excited. beautiful romance. In that I, like I said, I think I, you know, Watched it sort of out of one eye, one ear, when oh it was like in a room somewhere. Sure. Um, that, that makes me sad. Well, you know. It deserves your full, complete... Like, you should wear blinders like a horse while watching that movie. Yeah, and they use those blinders to keep the flies away from them. I thought so they didn't get distracted. Well, those are the... Anyway, we, this is where... That doesn't keep flies out of their eyes. The the mask ones do, but that's not... That's that's a, those aren't blinders. Okay. What? I don't know. It's... We've been talking for over an hour. That's true. <laughs> Peace out. Insert clever catchphrase. Wait. Wait, what? We're not ready. So um, we got all of our stuff handled. So we have a website. It's um, www.realdisagreement.com. We have a Twitter account where you can share your haikus and reviews mm. with us. If someone shares a good haiku, we should share it in the podcast. I would like to. That's what I'm trying to make happen. Um, so, um, that's, um, at real fights and it's R E E L. So at real fights, um, our new email address is at real disagreement or excuse me, real disagreement at gmail.com. Um, and at this point you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere. If you just search real disagreement, yeah. it will come up. It's listed on the website. It's listed on the website. Um, lots of different places. So we, we've made things easier and we hope that as a result you will, 
um, rate and review us, particularly. Please rate and review us, particularly on iTunes. On iTunes, because that's how we get to grow. So And it should be noted that the Twitter is being uh, handled by <laughs> Amy. So if you have something nice to say to me, it won't get to me. If you have something nice to say to Amy, I'm sure it'll get retweeted. It'll get blown up. That is not true. If you say something <laughs> nice about Rob, I will absolutely retweet it. He just won't. She'll get... send it to me by carrier pigeon. Yeah, because he doesn't understand the internet and things. The Twitter. Yeah, so he just won't see it. Um, but I do get to send make... Send it to me on Facebook. Don't <laughs> be my Facebook friend. I don't want to know all of you. Don't. Right. I do. I'll be your friend. All right. Now you can say goodbye. Goodbye. One, two. <laughs> they said poop. <laughs>